What's up, folks? Nothing better to do. This is your boy, Blogzilla. I got my man, E. New, with me. And this is the first episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, the podcast. The show where we're going to talk about our top five movies, actors, everything. You're going to get a bunch of stuff with this show. Hopefully, you guys will really love it. And I'm going to say what's up to my man, E. New. What's up, man? Great to be here from this luxurious recording facility in Midtown. We won't give anything away as we're audio only to start, but this has been in the planning stages for more than a minute. Thrilled to be sitting down with you to create this show. We both love film. We both have very different backgrounds when it comes to our love of cinema, the work we do. And um, I guess we should thank the guy that brought us together. Shout out to my boy, Michael Skolnick. Shout out to Mikey Mike. Mike, we love you. We miss you. Hope yes, sir. Well. Hope at some point you find the time in your day to listen to what we're talking about. And come on and be a guest. As a former filmmaker himself, Mr. Skolnick. But um, I'm thrilled, man. I spent so much time in sports, in actual production making stuff, that my, um, my time to actually sit down and chop it up with someone who's just as passionate as I am about film is few and far between. So I'm thrilled to be doing this. We are fall 2016. Honestly, we come out of another, from where I sit, another disappointing summer of movies and films. So hopefully we can talk about some of the things that we're excited about on the horizon. But really fun time of year if you're a sports fan. And I know one of the things that we were talking about um, before we started were just that sports films are such a challenge when it comes to quality. Yeah, sports and I movies I really want to hear your take on this to jump right in. I think sports movies suck. They're, they're, with the exception of a handful, the majority of them are never done right. It's either we can't get licensing to put the real teams in there, or you can't really recreate that that magic that is sports. And and I just don't understand why they're not done right. Like, like the Jackie Robinson movie. Thought it was a great performance, but you could only use like three teams because you can't use all the, the Major League Baseball teams and that really starts to affect it. Why are they playing the Royals every game? Like, what's the deal with that? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And I think if you can't do a sports movie right and if the Major League Baseball and NFL don't want to release their licenses, licenses then maybe we shouldn't make them. Like, a concussion was great because even though they went at the, NBA, at, at the NFL, they at least had all the logos. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, that's... That's something that I appreciated. Funny, I was in a discussion last night about concussion, and I flashed back to the screening of the film, which you threw, which I was lucky enough to be um, in attendance for. And concu- so, so this is interesting. What do you look for? Forget those visual consistencies, right? Logos, branding, teams. What do you look for emotionally in a sports film? Because as a former ball player, I was a basketball player and a football player, I enjoyed concussion, but I also had a very tough time in certain scenes in concussion because I'm watching those guys that we watched on TV as kids getting fucked up and then seeing what happened to their lives. And literally a few times in that theater, I'm cringing in yeah. my seat. So what do you look for emotionally when it's a sports film? How do you want to be moved? Well, I like to feel it emotion. Regardless of what that emotion is, I want to feel it. So if you can make me feel something, then I'm cool. And I can also... 
give you points and give you credit here or there if the story's good. And I thought that was a great story. So I can give you points, you know, say, you know what? Sure, Will Smith accent is a little off, but I can give you points because the story is good. And then, you know, Andre Waters was in that movie, right? And I, I was, I, I liked watching him play. And to see what happened to him that I didn't even know, it was like, oh, wow. Like, so all this stuff, or I forgot about, it was like, oh, wow. Like, I forgot about that. Uh, I didn't even know that. So, like, because you think about, I remember watching football one day and watching Don Beebe get rocked. Like, his hand just was in the air, rocked. And I'm like, damn. And to know, like, you know, he gets up, he shakes it off, comes back in the game. But, you know, that was football back then. Now, if you get knocked down and you get up and stumble, you're not coming back in the game for at least two weeks. And it's crazy. But to, so I like the story. Stories is what really moved me. If the story's good, I can give you some points other places where you probably don't deserve. Sure. I, I was moved, and, and the Waters thing is actually the one that hit me the hardest because in the late 80s, growing up in New York, and you know twice a year you've got Giants Eagles and you know so let's paint the picture for the younger generation okay? <laughs> back in the day you had CBS had the NFC games NBC had the AFC games and some weeks you get more than just Jets Giants because the rights agreements were different then so you got to know those players in those teams so I'm not just seeing Andre Waters for example play twice a year when the Eagles play the Giants I'm seeing the Eagles on Monday night. I'm seeing the Eagles against the Redskins. Yeah. I'm seeing the Eagles sometimes on Thanksgiving against Dallas. So you got to know a lot of these players, even though there wasn't NFL Network. And, and there wasn't social media. And, and so so all you had media. was was the games so and the point interviews. Being, the Waters thing was really, really tough. Um, funny about Will Smith's accent, he didn't master it, but he mastered the emotion I thought of the performance, which is what hit me. And I also, I was angry. Actually, I walked out of that and I was, I was, I was moved, but I was angry. I was so angry with the NFL for, I mean, it's just, it's decency. These are the guys that, that made your league and, and you talk about the pride of the shield, right? Well, yeah. take care of the guys that wore the shield with pride. And so. I think that's an example of a movie that totally did it right, where you have, other movies, like I mentioned, uh, a lot of baseball movies don't get it right. They just don't. They just don't. To the point where my favorite baseball movie, and, and I know The Natural is everyone's love. Everyone loves The Natural, but it's not a real team. So to me, it's just Which like... Which is why the film works so well. I wish it was a real team. I wish he played for the Mets. I would love a movie about the 86 Mets. Mm-hmm. Funny you mention that. You know what I mean? I would love that. But... Funny you mentioned that. So, so my favorite uh, baseball movie is The Wild Thing. It's Major League. I loved everything about Major League. I love Major League. Major League and The Natural are my two favorite baseball films and two of my five favorite sports films. Um, randomly, my father is a Cleveland Indians fan. So when Major League came out in 89, I believe, you know, the Indians have not won the World Series since 1948. And in 1989, they had not been in the World Series since 1954 and never qualified for the playoffs with the current playoff system. They didn't get back in until 95. So I'm in the movie theater with my father. You're loving it. And Wesley Snipes is rounding third. Oh, man. And the Indians win it. And the, the humor of that film. And then you look back at the actors in that film. They were great actors. Sheen, Berenger, Snipes, um, Hayes Bart, who turns into 
David Palmer in 24. Oh, my one God. One of my all-time favorite character actors. Bob Euchre adding the humor. Um, the character actor who plays the um, the pitcher whose name escapes me at the moment, who's also... I know exactly in, who you're yeah, talking about, the one. in Mississippi Burning. Yeah. Um, you know, just uh, Corbin, Corbin Burnson is the uh-huh. third baseman. And, of course, Rene Russo. Yeah, it's a great cast. Many of those scenes. Major League is hilarious. Major League is great. It's it's by far. And, and and when I first saw The Natural, to bring that up, not to say that The Natural sucks, but I love it. Like, I wanted to hit the cover off a ball my entire life. But just the fact that that's not a real team bothers me so much. It's bothering I, I can, me. I can, I can see why. Yeah. But as it is with the New York Knights, the fictional National League team in that time period... It works, and yeah. the baseball scenes are so good in that. Whereas in other sports films that are iconic, and this is hard for me to say, and you know, when my friends start listening to this, they, they may be a little shocked right now. As a basketball holic and a basketball junkie, and a die-hard Gene Hackman fan, mm-hmm. if you watch the basketball scenes in Hoosiers, I cringe. Mm. Some of them are really, really bad. Yeah, but the scope of the film and the story is so good and the music score is so good and the purity of the game of basketball and its meaning Mm -hmm. it's it's so wonderful so I I still love Hoosier has there ever been a good professional basketball movie I don't think there has ever been one what do you have Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg you said good so I'm not even going to answer that so no and it's funny so when you started talking about the the leagues and how the leagues could get involved in making a great basketball film the NBA is by far the league that is most open to doing different things with the brand and the logo and they actually encourage people to use their footage for mixtapes and mm-hmm. mini docs and whatever, and yeah, when you're when you're creating advertising on that content, it's a different conversation. But they want you to use their content in a positive way to get it out there. MLB is the opposite. Yeah. So you mentioned '86 Mets, and I, I think you remember earlier in the year, I spent the first four months of this year doing interviews across the country with the likes of Bob Costas and Ron Darling and Lenny Dykstra and Ad Rock to paint the picture of what 86 and the Mets were like, hoping to get that turned into a feature doc. And because of network tastes and because of the fact that ESPN did a doc and Daryl 30 for 30, and Mm -hmm. we'll save 30 for 30s for another conversation, my film's not getting made yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually meeting on that this afternoon as we sit here in New York on October 14th, 2016, to figure out what we're going to do. But NBA should be open to that. And movies, too. And movies. I I don't think if if you're Major League Baseball, do you greenlight a movie about the 86 Mets? These guys who are probably playing baseball high on cocaine. Do you greenlight that movie? Do you greenlight a movie about... Barry Bonds. You green by the movie about Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. They're still very protective and nervous about that subject matter. They should be. Through, like, I did a lot of research, right? So we were kids then. We were eight years old. You grew up on the Jersey side. I grew up on the Long Island side. So, you know, you remember looking at these guys like rock stars. Then, as we get older and you start to hear 
the stories of what went on, they're painted as villains. Well, they're painted as bigger rock stars for me. Well, well, <laughs> like, that's well, still a rock star. Well, well, exactly rock star. Talking to people from that time, it's like, that was the normal behavior. For, like, 1986, as far as, like, a baseball team like that, as far as they feel removed, the time, 1986 New York, to me, is the urban wild, wild west. That is, feels so much longer yeah. than 30 years ago. And considering they won 108 games and had and and took part in one of the most dramatic postseason of all time, really, like they had to be damn good baseball players, great baseball and players, what, phenomenal. And what a lot of those guys and what I learned through interviewing players and journalists, what they shared with me was, listen, we're drinking beers and doing all that, but normally, unless it was one of the crazy party nights, which happened. We're drinking beers in the clubhouse, and we're talking about baseball. They were hardcore baseball, baseball guys from all very unique backgrounds. No, that just makes for a great places. movie. And I agree. The, the characters from Hernandez, obviously, to Doc and Daryl, to Gary Carter, mm-hmm. to Dykstra and Backman, to the media guys, McCarver and Kiner, were like part of the team, the they coverage sure of were. the team, yeah. local news. That was one of the first... That was one of the first specific teams to be covered. I remember, like for me, for me it was Channel Nine. Yep. And, and they just was all Mets. Yep. It was all Mets every weekend. Mets, Mets, Mets. They had everything. That was the first time I even ever experienced that. But um, moving on. So what? What are your What are your top five sports movies? I knew you were gonna put me on the spot like that. Absolutely have I to. I knew it. I knew it. Top five sports films. This is tough really tough because I love football as well but I don't know if I have a football film in my top mm. five so the natural in major league white man can't jump white man can't jump ooh that's a good one is so good yeah. and gets better every time you see it that may that may be the sports film that is aging the best mm-hmm because of the acting, the humor, and then the basketball scenes are rock solid. And so I have an affinity for another basketball film. And I actually had the pleasure of um, one of the other Winter Circle Media shows, and yes, we are a part of Winter Circle Media, is New York, New York. And my friend Ruben Rivera does a show with John Seymour. John's the owner of Sweet Chick. Shout out to John of Sweet Chick. Shout out to Ruben. And Ruben has spent a lot of time in entertainment, nightlife, loves movies, creating a dope series right now. Our first show, we had Leon Robinson oh. in person. And I love his character, Tom Shepard, in Above the Rim. And mm. that might be my fifth favorite sports film. Above the Rim with Pac. With Pac. Wow. It, it's, it's really good. When you go back to it, um, it, 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 it reps the 90s and the time well, and Pac is really good in it, and Leon is outstanding. Um, there's just something about it that I, that I really, really enjoy. That being said, the one that really hurts to leave out, and a lot of people are not fans of this film. I was a fan of it. When I saw it, though, my movie theater experience was so crazy. Can you imagine sitting in the second row for any given Sunday the first time you oh, saw wow. it? Oh, wow. 
the I did second row. That Se- yeah, crazy. exactly. And I'll never forget how much I loved it each time I watched it after that. And it's not just Pacino's speech, and it's not just Steve and Willie Beeman. It's it's the combo of yes, Oliver Stone is as as out there as it gets with certain things, but the combination of the characters, the showing the true sacrifice and violence of the game, and and then there are just some of those moments, like the speech, like Jamie Foxx, and the evolution of his character, Willie Beeman, that I really, really enjoyed. So, I got the six films in my five. That's I know, cool. I know it's just as challenging for you. It's super challenging, and I... I and I'm trying to figure out the name of this movie because uh, that's going to be number five. Uh, give me one second to pull it up. Oh, man. Are you cheating now? I have You're to. You're IMDBing on the show already? I, I'm trying. I tried to okay, get it before. As long as we know that's fair game on the show, then <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the auto app on, on, on my phone. One of my top five wrestling movies. Um, give me one second, then I'm sorry. I got, I got, cause I got to get the name of this movie right, cause it literally is one of my favorite movies uh, of all time. Oh man, and it's so old. See, all the movies that it's I a wrestling film. It's a wrestling film. Yeah, it's definitely a wrestling film, and it's uh from like the eight. I didn't know Hulk Hogan was in a hundred and sixty one movies. Jesus Christ. 161 movies? 161 movies. How many of those were two-minute or less cameos? They have to be, but this is one that's all him. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just put put Creed in in my movie as well. I think Creed was really, really good. I love Creed, love boxing. love the fact that they did a lot of it uh, practical, and, and Michael B. Jordan took a bunch of, of real punches. Uh, so I'm so gonna. I, I need to watch it a second time to decide if it's top five. It's very good. It's a very good film. How'd you feel about Ali? Ali. And do you view it as a sports film more so than a biopic? It's a sports film. Uh, definitely a sports film. I really like Ali, and I actually get fired up when people rip on the film and/or Will Smith's performance because I thought he did a wonderful job. I went back and Mind watched and it. Body. I went back and watched it, and um, I went back and watched it, and I didn't get, I didn't finish, I didn't get through it, I didn't get through it at all. Really? So yeah, I didn't. Are you not a Michael Mann guy? I just, uh, I just, I just couldn't get through it. There was something about it. Maybe I was on a plane. And I just like, you know what? You can't watch that on a plane. That's got to be big screen. I was on a in, plane. No I was on a plane to L.A. and I was like, it was right when Ali died, and I said, you know what? I can I can watch this on the plane, and I and I couldn't I just couldn't do it. Uh, I think the name of the movie that I, I think I, I've just found it, but it's definitely called Body Slam. <laughs> I thought Body Slam was so great. That was one of the my favorite movies I as a kid. Must confess, I have not seen. You've never Body seen Slam. Body Slam. Body Slam, and it's not Hulk Hogan. It's a uh, it's Dirk Benedict, um, who who uh, who you know from the eighteen. Yep. Uh, and it's it's Roddy Piper and Captain Lou Albano. I thought so that was great. I love Body Slam. I could watch Body Slam all day long. Okay. Uh, so I would, I would do Body Slam, Creed. Uh, definitely got to put Major League in there. I think Major League's a great film. 
Um, definitely got to put White Man Can't Jump in there. I think White Man Can't Jump uh, is one of the great films. And the guy, when they, they hustle the guy, he goes, I'm back to my car. Get my other gun. Shoot everybody. I love that scene. And number one sports movie ever. Hmm. See, it's hard to pick a number one because that's the epitome of all sports movies. What would I say is the number one sports movie? My number one sports movie. Hmm. That's it's so hard to say this, right? Like it's for me, it's the natural. The natural. Your and number the other one. one that I left out. It's great. I, like Rudy's great. Mm-hmm. I just I don't I don't know if it's in my top five. I mean Rudy, it, it as a and I think that came out when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. I think it was ninety five. And there were definitely a few viewings where you know I'm wiping the tears away at the end because you're so you're you're so entrenched in his story and and rooting for him. Um, so if I had to make one tweak at in you would mind, put Rudy in there. I I I might sneak Rudy in. But taking above the rim out. No, don't take above the rim out. It's very difficult. Um, your 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 movie your uh, top five movie films is more colorful than mine. My number one though would probably be Remember the Titans. See, I thought I, Remember the Titans was so cliche. Yeah, it is. The with the playlist rock score from the time. It's a Disney movie. All I know. Way. I I I I need more meanness in my sports films. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's an old-school film, and I want to test you now to see if you've ever seen this, and if you haven't, you got to put this on your list. I'll watch it next week. 1979, mm-hmm. Nick Nolte mm-hmm. playing in this NFL fictional league, and it's called North Dallas 40. And this is a mean, gritty football film mm. that shows what these guys have to go through to get on the field every week and the dark side of the business of it. And this is 1979. And it actually holds up very, very well. I'm definitely going to check it out. Dallas 40. I've heard of it. I heard people talk about it. So I'm definitely going to have to check it out. North Dallas 40, writing that down right now. So that's a that's a, that's a pretty good movie list between us. It's a, it was a good 10 movies on there. I mean, you had, you had like 12 movies on your top five. Like I told you before the show, you asked me my top 10 favorite films of all time. I'm naming 25. 25. You asked me my top 25 films of all time, you're looking at 100. That's just, that's just the way it is. little background for everyone and, and we should start sharing this. So my love of film comes from the fact that, yeah, I grew up a ball player, but I also grew up in a house where my mom's an artist and an art teacher. And my father loves film and music. He started a film collection when I was young. I'm 38 years old. So we're talking video discs to VHS Mm. and beta. And beta. To DVDs. And the film collection now is is around 3,000 films in the house. And it's crazy what I saw as a kid, like pre-high school. And and I I thank my parents for it, but it's it's also nuts. Like some of the shit I'd see in the theater at a young age. Same. I've, I've where, never where had. It, a, where I've, did it start for you? I've never had a censor on the movies that I that I watch. Uh, it started for me. I've always loved the movies, but I think it really started for me when we got a super clear bootleg of Menace to Society. Uh, I've always loved movies. I, my family would go to the movies every week. That's what we would do as a family. But when we got this episode of we got this tape of Menace to Society, I watched it every day all summer long. I thought I was old dog. Uh, and, and I thought my friend thought he was Kane, and we just would would 
run around reciting that movie. I still to this day know the whole movie by heart. What year was that made? 92. 92. 92, yeah. So, 92, you were... I was, I'm 37, yeah. so... So, you were... Thir- so, you were 13 I was 13, yeah. So, when you were a bit younger... Mm-hmm. Let's say... All the movies are still in my top five. Gremlins, Goonies... Well, let's, uh, let's say when you were eight years old. Mm-hmm. What do you remember being, like, your favorite film when you were eight years old? When the Goonies come out. Goonies came out... 86, I think. I was six years old. I was seven years old. Goonies. Goonies. To this day, still my favorite movie. I wanted to call this podcast Goonies versus, like, um, whatever your favorite movie group was. Because I have it down here in this email... I, that was like my first name, like Goonies versus the Wolf Pack or whatever, like Goonies versus the Warriors. But like Goonies, to this day I'm still a grown up Goonie. I was gonna wear my my Chuck shirt, Goonies without a doubt. Darth Vader. I went Darth Vader. Yeah. But I remember would have been Goonies versus film noir or, or Goonies versus Clockwork. I remember when I would go to the movies and it was like a naked scene. My mother made me turn my head, so I would turn my head all the way around and just watch the boobies from the projection. On, on, I want you on to look screen. up a film on your phone right now. Okay. I want you to look up Sudden Impact. I've, I've seen that. It's one of the lesser and later Dirty Harry films. So yeah. look up Sudden Impact. I used to love Dirty Harry when I was a kid. I, and ironically, because my uncle used to love it, and ironically, I don't remember it at all. The original Dirty Harry is one of the great films ever made. I, we would, Dirty Harry... Go ahead, make all that. We we would we would watch those movies all the day. One of the twenty five films in my top ten. I need to go back and watch that because I haven't watched it since. Yeah. Read the year. Nineteen eighty three. And read the plot line. Uh, Jennifer Spencer was gang raped, but the crime went unpunished. Now she demands revenge, killing off the men that attacked her years before. The murderers attract the attention of Harry Callahan, who is on a. a forced vacation due to his violent approach to police work. So I was born in 1978. That came out in 1983. I saw that in the theater when I was five <laughs> years old. And just were just, I'm love in. You, love you, Dad. And I'm in. Thankfully, I don't remember the, um, all of the details you mentioned. My, my first... Influential, and this is this is a, this is a good transition for us to, to move towards our close. The first film I saw in the theater that changed my life was in 1987. Mm-hmm. So next year will be the 30th anniversary, and I've got to get this project moving because I think doing a doc on this film with the cast of this film will be like nothing we've ever seen before. I saw The Untouchables. Ooh. In the theater. Starring Kevin Cosner as Elliot Ness, Robert De Niro as Al Capone, Andy Garcia's first role, excuse me, Sean Connery's best supporting actor. He was nominated, I think he won, and if he didn't, that's criminal for his role in that film. And the film was, it's incredible. David Mamet, screenplay, Inu Morricone score, and Brian De Palma directed. The Untouchables, I will never forget what that was like at nine years old. <laughs> it's crazy how those movies shape us. Super crazy. What was your first in theater, like, holy shit, I can't believe what I'm watching. This is incredible. Uh, it's it's Menace of Society. I saw it in theater and bought the bootleg, I, and, and it was it was one of the first movies I went with one of my friends, my friend Latif, uh, 
God rest his soul. Um, we went to the movies. It was Liberty Theater. Um, and we went there. We paid $5.50 to get in. Uh, we watched the movie. We ordered some popcorn. And it just was us. It was all about teen rebellion, growing up inside, you know, such a hectic neighborhood and, and sort of making it out and trying to figure out if you're going to go down the wrong road or go down the right road and, and what your parents and your family was like. And then we got a, a photo of us that was all digital. It was like one of those digital things on a piece of cloth. And just that whole experience made me love film and love movies. And, 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 and that was the first movie I went to go see that really, really changed my life because that was like, okay, I know what cool is and I want to be a lesser version of that. And, and that was one of the ones that changed my life. That one, and um, yeah, that, that right, that right there, that right there. Yeah, I mean, in a in a, in a, a bunch of things are rushing back to me. So, Untouchables was '87. In '89, I saw T two in the theater. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. 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 Yeah. '90, I saw Goodfellas in the theater. Mm. That was a game changer. Also, and it was. I'm very lucky, and my parents did a really good job of, you know, really reminding me, these are movies. Yeah. This is not real. Yeah, same. Had a mouth on me yeah. from from seeing the movies, but they said, listen, you can't walk into school and say or do any of this. Right. And for the most part, I followed that direction, for the most part. The part that got me in Menace to Society was when his grandfather said, Cain. Do you care whether you live or die? And he just paused and thought about it. And then it comes back around at the end where he's like, you know what, I do care. And, and that's the part that got me. That little sad one, do you care whether you live or just the way that that actor, the old actor, just, I forgot, I don't know who it is, I don't know his name, just the grandfather from Men's Society, said that line and produced that line. It just was everything to me. I was like, because my grandmother would say something like that to me. Do you care whether you live or die? And I was like, and around me at the time, like I said, my friend who I went to go see it with, he's no longer, he's dead. Um, it, it, it affected me. And that, the night that he died, uh, he asked me to come hang out with him. And I was like, nah, I'm going back home. Because I knew he was running with the wrong crowd. And, 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 and I went home. So, so, yeah, that movie is just one of my favorite movies to this day. It reminds me of him. It just reminds me of my childhood growing up and what I, where I grew up at, and I, I really love that movie. Men of Society, without a doubt. But that's our time. We're a little bit over. Yeah, says who? Says, says us. We're says a little who? bit over. We'll keep it tight. We'll keep it tight. So, so the other thing we wanted to discuss, and, and we'll continue to talk about our influences and, and favorite films, and obviously when we start to have um, guests join us on the show, That'll be a big thing about what we talk about with them, the things that influence them, not just what they're working on. But I'm finally, like, I'm finally at the point now where I have a decent hit list of films to go see in the theater. Yeah. So I wanted to prompt you before we go, what's the one thing coming out, whether it's coming out, whether it just came out as we're in mid-October or it's coming out in the next couple of weeks what's the one that you're really excited about going to see one just one start with one uh i'm gonna actually go see this this weekend it doesn't come out till november 11th but it's um it's all right so just so we know 
my man right here gets <laughs> incredibly amazing advanced access. He's, to everything. He, he's not he's not operating like the rest of us. But yeah, I, I've already on, I've already seen on. most of the movies that come out in November. Go on. He's, but, already, uh, he's already getting screeners for summer seventeen shit. But uh, I'm really excited to see Ang Lee's Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Just I, I still don't really know what the hell it's about, but just hearing about how they shot it in 4K and shot it in 3D and and, and, and they're really doing it all this digital thing and it's, it's supposed to be advancing the, the process. I'm excited to see how that is. And it's from an unknown and it's from his perspective and he, his supporting cast, all these great actors. You have, you have Chris Tucker, you have Steve Martin, you have Vin Diesel, uh, Kristen Stewart, who's okay. Um, and they're all to supporting cast. So I'm excited to see where that goes. So, so that's one for me. How about you? It's interesting. Out at the family the other day, my mom handed me an article in the Times about that film, and I just remember that I think I forgot to bring it back with me. <laughs> so I'll go digital with that one. Um, I'm really looking forward and hoping the accountant oh. is as good as I think it could. The be. accountant is good. You saw it. Yes. Okay. I'm really looking forward to it. Between the journey he's taken now as a director and an actor, speaking of Ben Affleck, um, that first trailer with the Radiohead track in it, I just got super excited about it. And, you know, he was really good in... um, Now the title is escaping me. Um, The Town. Well, The Town. Gone Girl. uh, Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Great in Gone Girl. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, that's what I said to him. Yeah, absolutely awesome. And, you know, he's one of those guys. I mean, him and and Damon are a bit older than us. And I don't know if you saw the video that came out a couple of weeks ago where they're, you know, fighting over who's better friends with Tom Brady. I talked to him about that, yeah. But those are the conversations that, you know, you and I will continue to have on this show that me and my boys have and you and your boys have. And, and, And those guys are cut from just a working class cloth yeah then turned into these unbelievable journeys as actors and now for Affleck also acting and directing so um, I'm looking forward to the accountant um, there's a lot of other stuff on the horizon that I hope is, is really good I actually saw the trailer for Jacqueline mm. with Natalie Portman Jackie. Jackie Kennedy yeah uh, sorry is it called Jackie it's or called Jackie, Jackie yeah um, with Natalie Portman yeah. who's been out for a while I haven't seen her in anything yeah. and then to come back as Jackie is like whoa yeah. she uh, she is connected she married connected and, and she is coming for throat she wants to be Meryl Streep and uh, she's, got, she's getting roles that are always going to be in the talks for, for Oscar so shout out to her I'm excited yeah, about that too talent. so can we do something a little special for our, for our listeners on the first episode absolutely can we play our, my interview with Ben Affleck and Gavin O'Connor Right now, fans, the one and only Blogzilla with Ben Affleck and Gavin O'Connor, the accountant. Uh, they just asked me for my reaction to this movie, and I just hit with the DJ Khaled another one, another one. Because, Ben, you've been putting on a string of great roles, so congratulations. Thank you very much. The movie is filmed on two different avenues, though. When you saw what Gavin did with the complete project, how'd you feel? It was really it was really exciting because you know when you when there's a whole part of the movie that you're not in you have no idea what's going on you have no idea how it's going to be 
Um, it's kind of, I liken it to like being in a movie with a lot of visual effects. When you're there doing it, you have no idea what the spaceship's going to look like or whatever, and you, you hope that those visual effects artists you know, really kill it so that when you come back, you, and, and that's really what happened here is it's amazing actors, and Gavin really nailed that other part of the story. So it made me feel, uh, you know, I just was like, wow, I'm happy to be in this movie. There was uh, a lot of funny moments in this movie that I, I'm not quite sure it was comedy, but they were, it was a, it's funny at the same time. How would you go about interjecting that, <laughs> interjecting that comedy into this film? Well, it was important that the film was fun. That was like my mantra in making the film. I really want, because there was so many, there's a serious subject matter and there are heavy themes and uh, people die. So, but I ultimately wanted like the tone of it. I wanted it to be a fun ride for the audience. So part of that because his character is the lead, and he's sort of the doorway into the into the into the movie. Was if we had opportunities to inject funny into the film, if it was honest and truthful and authentic, we would always, you know, if there were opportunities to do it. And what ben, you know, Ben was so um, you know sort of immersed in the character. He did so much work that he he knew how this guy, sort of the bloodstream inside of this guy. That um, there was a lot of moments that are in the movie now that were just improved. That. I found myself laughing behind the monitor, and I was like, okay, I told my script supervisor to make a note of that, make a note of that, because we have genuine surprise and laughter. That, And then it was a matter of crafting it to make sure it worked at the right time in the movie, so you're always keeping the rhythm of the film. Yeah. Your character has a nice little stash house. Like, I wanted to play around in your stash house. Like, there's money, there's all types of toys and knickknacks. What's in your personal little stash box? I wish my stash house would have, like, <laughs> gold bricks and machine guns. It's like the, every kid's fantasy of, like, if I had to... But I have to put everything I need in one place. If the yeah. world was ending. What would I, motorcycle, gold, guns. It's a uh, sixteen passports. I don't have any anything even remotely like that. But it was cool. It was so I was so into it that I actually ended up um, uh, buying the airstream from the movie when it was finished and uh, you know used at a bargain yeah. price. And uh, and and I use that for my my trailer now, which I, I really dig. So I I do. Technically, have that as my stash. Oh, super cool. T Bone would definitely come over and hang out with you. T Bone would love it. Speaking <laughs> of that, um, he's coming back uh, next week, a couple weeks from now. And um, I just want to know how, and, and you care, you're one of the woke white folks I like to call. Um, how do you think he can sort of support Colin Kaepernick's Black Lives Matter movement without causing too much controversy? Do you have any ideas? Do you talk to him about stuff like that? I think that that is a you know it's a very important thing to be cognizant of, and I'm not sure what his relationship is, how he feels about you know his social consciousness and what he wants to to contribute. Obviously, it's a it's a really pressing and important issue in this country, and something that we need to deal with and need to reconcile. Um, and but as in terms of Tom will handle it, how Tom does, and one of the things is we you know. We, each have our own individual ways of, of, of trying to address it, but I know it's something that he's mindful of. Yeah. Great interview. Again, that's why I'm excited to see this film. Yeah. Those are two very, very strong personas. And um, yeah, I'm gonna see I'm gonna see that soon. And to your point, I think Ben has been killing everything he's been doing lately. So shout out to Ben Affleck. Shout out to uh, Gavin as well, the accountant in theaters now. You guys should definitely go check that out. Show one in the books. This was a pleasure. Pleasure to chat with you as well. I think we proved that this was long overdue. Yes. And we are going to keep putting out these shows. We're also going to be putting out uh, what we're going to call uh, mini segments where Mm -hmm. you hear from us on new releases, top five lists in certain categories, performances we love, genres we love, time periods, all that. 
and we're really going to uh, you know make a strong go of it with this show. And of course, we will be having some guests in the coming weeks, which we will announce as those start to happen. It'll be fun. Take us home. This is your boy Blogzilla, folks. Nothing better to do. Be kind. Please rewind the podcast. And if you like the show, listen to it again. This is your boy Blogzilla. E new. We out. Peace.